everybody. Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I hope you are enjoying a summer break. Uh, a lot of things slow down during the summer, even uh, things regarding uh, kingdom activities. And um, I'm a big proponent of um, taking advantage of opportunities to enjoy some leisure, to enjoy some rest. Um, for those of you that listen frequently, my guess is you're probably pretty engaged in kingdom stuff. Some of you are super committed and uh, very busy, quite frankly, in kingdom activity. And I love that. I thank God because, you know, our days are numbered and our even our hours and months <laughs> are numbered. Um, and so we want to be good stewards of time. And um, so a lot of you take that very seriously and you you serve the Lord. And I love that. I think that's a great part of being a Christian. Matter of fact, if you don't serve the Lord intentionally with committed time and effort, you need to be doing that because um, that's just part of the mantle that God puts on every born again child of God. We are sons, we are daughters, but we are also servants. And so we serve the Lord with gladness. And a lot of that typically takes place in the local church and through ministries like that. But you get tired, don't you? <laughs> I do. Uh, we just finished up a few weeks ago um, a another semester, another year, frankly, of a Caneo Ministry Training Center. And I'm enjoying at least probably two or three weeks where my schedule is not quite as jammed up. And um, preparing Thursdays for two hours of teaching, Wednesday night Bible studies, Sunday morning services, a podcast every week, and we film for Transforming Truth. So on an average week, I preach or speak, whatever you want to call it, usually about five times a week. And, um, to do that well, you have to prepare and then you got all the other stuff in life that, you know, you're, you're trying to deal with. And so I, I intentionally enjoy some leisure and rest. Um, my family, if you care about some personal uh, updates, we are just about ready to relocate to Dawsonville, Georgia. Many of you will remember we sold our home, um, in 2022, in the summer of 2022, and we, uh, moved into a rental for one year. And that rental lease is coming up at the same time. Um, we are going to be moving, relocating our family to Dawsonville, Georgia. And that is not because of Caneo or Christ Fellowship. We've actually had connections to Dawsonville going back 20 plus years in um, the area because Amy's parents lived up there. And when they both passed away, um, we were blessed to have an opportunity to um, move up there um, on the piece of property and we are um, getting ready to move into the house that we've gotten ready for our family and so that's going to be happening um, late June early July and um, so we got a lot going on that's what I'm trying to get there I'm, as I'm telling you this my mind is starting thinking oh yeah I need to do this I need to do this I need to call this person <laughs> so that's just that's Case in point, that's why we need a little rest to disengage, to unplug, because the mind sometimes doesn't stop. Um, you know, I've been thinking about the concept of the local church that I pastor. And just for any of you who are part of Antioch Outposts that listen to this, please know that our relocation to Dawsonville in no way, no way indicates that we are moving away from or off of our call to Antioch Outpost. It is a ge geographical change, and it is going to involve on the days where I drive into the office, I will be driving an hour and a half. But that does not mean that we are not engaged and fully committed in Antioch Outpost. So please, before any rumors start, we're not moving. 
Uh, the Smiths have not offered me a job at Christ Fellowship Church, and Caneo continues to be a one-week, um, one-day-a-week in-office job up there. And so I just want to put that out there because people run their mouths, and it's just silly. So, no, I am leading Antioch Outpost in Bethlehem, Georgia, and that's the deal. That's where I am. And I have the privilege of serving as the COO and a professor, year four professor at uh, Caneo. Um, and then you got the transforming truth and then you got Mavericks and Misfits and, um, it's a rich, full, but very busy schedule. But, um, my primary calling is to lead Antioch Outpost and I'm so blessed to be able to do that. So as we have, um, given our church a new name, uh, we've defined the new mission. We are a fivefold word and spirit church. And uh, we are raising up and equipping leaders for the work of the ministry to plant outposts from our home church in Bethlehem. And my hope is that maybe even this calendar year, we get to send out our first team uh, to plant the first outpost. And I use the word outpost because, um, and it's kind of what I want to talk about today, uh, the word church typically creates images in minds of a building somewhere where people gather once or twice a week. And I'm pro-church. I'm pro-local church. I'm glad that we have still the freedom to meet in a local church. But when we're talking about outposts, we're talking about sending out trained and equipped people to advance the kingdom in an area that God will designate. And we want to equip that initial team with fivefold leadership the best that we can. That means there'll be apostolic leadership, there'll be prophetic leadership, there'll be teaching leadership, there'll be pastoral leadership, and there'll be evangelistic leadership. In the ideal outpost sending, we're going to have those five um, types of ministry represented. And whether or not the person actually holds the office of prophet, apostle, teacher, evangelist, shepherd, um, that is not necessarily what we're focusing on. We're saying that, that those five areas will create the healthiest environment for new works to be done, to be grounded, and to um, grow. And so we plan on having five leaders that we are presently training up. We have five leaders here at Antioch Outposts that are leading and investing in and teaching classes to those that are interested. So five different leaders in five different categories that I just mentioned, training up people who tilt one way or another towards one of those five categories. And then through that, we will create teams that will also be added to with maybe two families that will come alongside and they'll actually leave the home base here in Bethlehem and go to the area that God will designate. And so we're excited about that. Um, we believe that whatever you call it, some people call it home groups. Some people call it house church. Um, I think the best Greek word in the Bible in the new Testament is the word oikos or oikos. And that is a word that indicates home or household or family. And I want to talk to you very briefly about that today. And I preached a message on this, I think two Sundays ago at, um, Antioch Outpost. And if you're ever interested in watching those, you can find them either on Transforming Truths YouTube channel um, or Antioch Outpost YouTube channel. I just recommend you just download the free Transforming Truth app. If you don't have that, you should download that. If you download the free Transforming Truth app, you'll get everything that I personally put out. So it's video sermons, audio sermons. Um, I think even this podcast has links there on that app, all my social media links. Everything I put out can be found on that free Transforming Truth app. And uh, if you're interested in watching the fuller message of what I'm about to share here, uh, you can do that at that location. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about temple and oikos. The original church had those 
we're talking about first century, right after Pentecost, they had those two gathering spots. Both of them were very important to the early church. And so you had the idea of temple, these new Christians, still thoroughly Hebrew, thoroughly Jewish, they just had found their Messiah, where the greater representation of uh, he, the Hebrew faith, Judaism, um, had not yet accepted the Jesus of Nazareth as Messiah, crucified, resurrected. So the religion of Judaism was still going full flow. And these men have been Jewish their whole life. They just happen now to have the revelation that Jesus Christ is the resurrected King of Israel. And so they didn't stop going to temple. It's very important for you to recognize that. They still honored the Lord in going at the hours of prayer. Um, my guess is in some way or another, they honored the festivals, uh, the sacrifices, the Jewish traditions, um, Passover, things of that nature. Um, they just had the fulfillment, the awareness that Jesus Christ has fulfilled all of this, but temple wasn't thrown away. Synagogue wasn't thrown away. If you trace through the book of Acts, you're going to find that Paul always started in the Jewish synagogue. He didn't say, Oh, I'm, I'm saved. I've got Jesus as Lord. I don't need the gathering anymore. No, the Jewish, he used what was available both culturally and missionally. And so when he wanted to go into a new city, he would start first in the synagogue for most of his ministry. And he would preach to them, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And so there was often, there's a, quite a bit of pattern in the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, where you're going to find people gathering in temple and synagogue. But they also gathered, and this is probably the predominant feature, they gathered the new birthed church, newly birthed church, gathered in homes. And that from, from, from that concept, you, you find the word oikos. It's also the name of a, a yogurt. If, if some of you are yogurt eaters, you can go to the dairy section at your supermarket. You're going to find oikos. I think we primarily call it in that marketing world. The advertising for the yogurt is oikos. I think the Greek word is actually pronounced oikos. So I'll, I'll use those interchangeably. Regardless of the pronunciation, the, the yogurt is not what we're talking about. We're talking about what's represented by this word oikos. Well, what's represented is found in a couple of different places in scripture, but let me give you just a few verses out of Acts chapter two. These new Christians after the day of Pentecost, so Acts two, of course, is known for Pentecost, but in around verse 42, it starts talking about the outflow of Pentecost. And it says that they, these new Christians devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. That's very important. So the early church started prioritizing what were the apostles teaching by way of direct revelation and by way of repeating what Jesus had taught them. And then it says they dedicated themselves to the fellowship. So there was a family koinonia type of partnership. They were doing life together. And most of that's going to take place in homes. And in the homes, they would do the breaking of bread, which not only meant meals, but I also think there could be a veiled reference there to um, the Lord's Supper, uh, the table of the Lord, communion, and then to prayer. So right off the bat, you find out the early Christians were eating the apostolic doctrine, the teaching of the apostles. They were committed to fellowship, one-on-one -on -one building relationships with each other as believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, then to sharing meals with each other, and then to praying together. And the result of that is found in Acts 2.43. As the church grew, it said, all, all came upon every soul. Why? Because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So the koinonia, the fellowship, the oikos, the relational aspect, bred strength and gave opportunities for people to uh, be exposed to the signs and the wonders that authenticated the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. And then verse 44 of Acts 2 says, they all who believed were together. And again, communal, 
oikos. They were together. That had to mean something. It means they did life together. They spent time together. They fellowshiped together. They prayed together. They put themselves under the uh, authority of their apostolic leaders. And it says they had all things in common to the extent of Acts 2.45 saying they sold their possessions, their belongings, and they distributed their proceeds as any need arised. So they were very generous. Like we long for that, don't we? And there are many places in the kingdom right now where this is happening. A communal sharing where nobody goes without. This is not communism because communism says you will share your stuff and they point a gun at you, the authority of the government. That's what communism does. No, this is free. This Jesus was not a communist. And so <laughs> anybody that thinks that Christianity is like communism is just misreading the scriptures. This was a flow of desire to make sure everybody had their needs met. And it was total generosity, totally voluntary. And so then you get to verse 46 and it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their oikos, in their homes, they received, received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Did you get that? So the early pattern for Christian living was both temple, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So it's not home church or Sunday morning church. Can I, can I use modern terms to help you get what I'm teaching here? A lot of people have just gotten so spiritual. They're like, yeah, that stuff down there on the street corner in that building on Sunday morning is not real. Really? Have you been to all of them? Have you dissected and diagnosed everything that's happening in every Sunday morning church? Maybe the, maybe your experience didn't allow for you to find validity in that particular church, but do you have permission from the Lord to abandon something that has been ingrained in Christianity from the very beginning? What am I talking about? Meeting together. You'll find in other places that they met together on the Lord's day. So there was a designated day. That would be the day that we call Sunday, the resurrection day. That's when they met. And that's when they took up offerings. That's when they gathered together. But it wasn't just the Lord's day. And the temple was the place that, that spoke of their history, their heritage, and their communal living. Now, remember, um, church buildings didn't arise till centuries after the birth of the church. And so most of the local relational expression happened in homes. So for those of you that think I don't, I don't really value home church because that's not, you know, that's just not who I am. I go to church on Sundays. Well, let me just ask you, do you, have you, have you requested of the Lord whether or not he wants you to participate in a smaller group, a smaller gathering? You know, Amy and I have hosted in our home over the years. We're not presently doing it, but we have over the years hosted groups. We, we ministered to young people for a few years in our home and we, uh, ministered to singles in our home early on in our marriage. And there's something about gathering in a home where you get to know people. Um, here at Antioch Outpost, we'll be launching um, this summer, late this summer, um, a rebirthing of our house church home group ministry. We don't know what we're going to call it yet, but um, I'm not opposed to using the word oikos, but I'm actually not the primary leader of that. I'll just be overseeing those that lead it. And so the, the, the desire is that people will get to make relational connection. They'll get to pray together. These are in homes. They will get to learn together. So we'll have dedicated teaching. They will make friendships, make relationships, and there's a freedom in it. It's not mandated. It's highly encouraged if you're going to be a part of Antioch Outpost, but they'll also care for each other. 
Um, a home group will provide hands-on care because those are the people you have relationships with. You know, over the last 50 years in churches, maybe longer than that in America, um, you know, it's like we hire staff to meet the needs and the caring needs. And that's great if your church has a massive budget and you can employ tons of people. But our church is around 350 adults. And if 350 adults, let's just say one out of every 10 has a need in a given week, that's 35 visits, 35 need for a staff member. That's impossible, especially in a staff where we only have maybe a, a four or five people that are qualified to lead in that way. And it's impossible. You'd be doing it all day. So a house a home group, a house church allows for us to say, hey, this person in your home group has a need. How can we help you minister to them? So there's care, there's instruction, there's prayer, there's relational building. And yes, we still want every single person to come on Sunday mornings. Why? Because we gather together to receive common instruction. So we're all hearing the same thing. We gather together to worship. We gather together to minister, to serve. Like if you don't go on Sundays, you're missing opportunities where people need you. You may think, I don't need the local church. I don't need to go on Sundays. Well, you've heard me say this before on this podcast. That's great if you don't think you need them, but maybe they need you. Maybe it's not about you getting what you need. Maybe it's about you giving what they need. And so there's that mindset of, well, I'm a home church guy or I'm a church only guy. And my encouragement to you would be that you should really consider that you might be both. Um, in Acts 5, 42, so three chapters later from the verses I read earlier, it's, it's reiterated. So lest you think this was just a, uh, flowing from Pentecost and people just kind of blew up in this one moment and then they went back to their own lives. You got three chapters later, which represents a lot of time passing. And it says in Acts 5, 42, every day in the temple and from oikos to oikos, from oikos in houses, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ uh, that the Christ is Jesus. So again, it, it's a pattern that you see that also is displayed in the, um, the epistles. It's just the way the early church did life and ministry together. Um, I think it's important that we, let me, let me kind of wrap the second half of this episode up with, with these thoughts. All of us as Jesus followers, we primarily live our lives at the intersection of four different worlds. I want to tell you what those are. Your life can't, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is all that there is in your life, but if you want four categories, it'll tell you pretty much where you spend the majority of your time and effort. It's these four worlds, your biological world. That's your family. That's if you're married, it's your spouse. If y'all have children, it's your children. If you're a child, it's your parents. It's that family unit, that home unit. It's your biological world. It's where you spend a fair amount of your time and make a lot of your relationships. It's where your most longstanding relationships are. Second world is your vocational world. So if biological is family, vocational is where, where do you work? Where are your business associates? These are the people that you come into contact with. You spend sometimes uh, during the, uh, an average week, you may spend more proactive time at work than you do at home. That's not an awesome thing, but it is a reality for many. So what, what are you doing to carry the kingdom into your vocational world? What relationships are you developing in your vocational world? How are you being a representative of Jesus in your vocational world? Because you're an ambassador there if you're a Jesus follower. I, I know that the world tells us, don't you know, leave your faith at church. Don't take it to work with you. I hate that thought. And you, you know why? Because my boss led me to Jesus. It took him two years 
two years of in, just <laughs> of industriousness pouring Jesus into me. It took him two years to convince me I wasn't a Christian because I said I was. And um, then shortly thereafter, I came to Christ. But like, you're an ambassador at work. You spend a significant amount of time at your job. And so that's a big part of your world. So biological, vocational, geographical. That's your immediate community, your neighborhood, if I can say it that way. Who are you around? Who lives next door? Who lives across the street? Who lives down the street? So you're geographical. Why did God put you in that neighborhood? I mean, think about it. Like, why did, why did God put you in between the two neighbors that he put you in, in between if you happen to live in a neighborhood? So your geographical world, how are we ambassadors in our geography? And then the fourth world. So biological is family. Vocational is work. Geographical is your immediate community, maybe your neighborhood. And then your volitional world. That's not a word we use a lot, but you need to learn it. To, your volition is your will. So volitional means where you choose to spend your discretionary time. And that could be like your hobbies, your friends, your um, you know side things that you do, maybe a community group that you're a part of. If your kids are on a ball team or you're playing, you know, recreational sports, um, your teammates, and like those are the places we go when we don't have anywhere else we must be. So what are we doing there to influence for the gospel? Now, there is in a certain sense where all of those could be placed under the banner of oikos. Because even though it's not your home in all of those categories, it is your immediate sphere of influence. So when you think of oikos, you not only want to just think of a house church in that strict sense of it, which it is that, but it's not limited to that. Your oikos needs to be broadened in your mind to who are my people? Who are the people I am around most frequently? And how am I serving them in a way that represents Jesus to them if they're unbelievers? Because unbelievers don't care about my podcast or my sermon. Let me just tell you that. I tell our church family that all the time. Unbelievers don't care about Jeff Lyle's sermons. Um, they're, they're not impressed. They're skeptical in our culture of preachers. You know, I sit on an airplane and typically if it's a long flight, somebody will ask me, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> Not that I'm ever embarrassed of Christ, but I know as soon as I tell them I've been involved in local church leadership or pastoring or I'm a minister or whatever word I choose to use, um, it can end the conversation right there. Now, um, I haven't flown in a while, but the next time I'm on a plane and people ask me, hey, you know, what do you do? I'm going to tell them, oh, I'm a professor at a Bible college. <laughs> and see how that goes. Maybe that's a little bit more trustworthy than uh, telling him I'm a pastor. My point being is this, everywhere you go, you have a sphere of influence. Are you representing Jesus? And how are you representing Jesus? And that question isn't, are you? Because you are. If people know you're a Christian, you're representing Jesus. And we're either doing a great job of it or a poorly job of it. And I want to tell you, if you'll take initiative and recognize that your oikos is the people you're around, then um, I think you'll you'll be more intentional about those relationships because they're kingdom they're meant for kingdom relationships. We have a severance. We have a severance in the American church's mindset that we do our religious stuff, our Christianized stuff. We do that on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays, maybe on prayer night, maybe on missions trips, maybe on you know special events and things like that. Um, but it doesn't translate. We don't carry it to the world of Oikos. We just do temple. Others of you, by the way, maybe the flip side of the coin, all you do is oikos. You're just like, oh man, I want the organic thing. I just want to be, I want to be with people. I want, it's all about relationship. 
Well, definitely there's relationship involved in it, but it's not all about relationship. We are to never forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the Bible says all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So as we are approaching the end of the age, I'm seeing a trend that people are just leaving churches because of, you know, myriads of reasons. But, but the Bible actually says, don't abandon the gathering together. Now, can you gather together in the Oikos? Of course you can. You absolutely can. Matter of fact, when that verse was written in the book of Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, they didn't have church buildings. So the primary application is don't abandon the Oikos getting together with other believers. But guys, you and I have lived our entire lives in a culture that affords us to come together broadly with hundreds of people to celebrate the Lord. And if you look at um, the history of the church and you even go back to trace the roots to Judaism, God loves community. He loves it when people come together. Trace the phrase, all of Israel. In the Old Testament, all of Israel came together. All of Israel gathered. All of Israel was called to meet. Like it's all over the Old Testament. So there are times where God says, get together. And when the synagogues became the place of worship, Christians met there, and then eventually they established their own houses of worship. What a glorious, wonderful privilege that we have in the United States of America. And so here's the gist of what I'm saying as I'm closing. Like Oikos is, um, is for you. Like Jesus in your biological Oikos, your family, your home your vocational oikos, the people that you work with for hours and hours and hours a day, your geographical oikos, those that are right there in your vicinity, in your neighborhood, and your volitional oikos, where you choose to spend time. And it could be as something as like you see the same dry cleaner attendant every week. I used to witness, we when we lived in Lawrenceville, I would witness my dry cleaner frequently. And she was a, a Hindu, and she told me all the time, yeah, I've got my own faith, but Jesus is awesome. And, you know, I don't know that she ever believed, but I do know this. I treated her with kindness and treated her with love, but I treated her intentionally to make sure that I influenced her for Christ. And so if we'll get more intentional servers at restaurants, you know, maybe that's not technically oikos, but it is your sphere of influence. It's your volitional opportunity. And guys, let me just say this. As we are wrapping up, we're living in an incredibly depraved nation here in the United States of America. Depravity is being exposed and manifesting in such dramatic uptick that, um, you know, some people are tempted to just say it's over. I'm still contending for a third great awakening. Do I believe that the culture in America will ever be completely um, turn to the Lord. I hope some of you believe that. I want to believe it. I don't, man. I wish I could. You pray for me. Maybe I need more faith, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like we're in a Romans one nation where God turns people over to a reprobate mind and he gives them up. You read Romans one, you're going to find the phrase gave them up, gave them up. I, I feel like that the, the, the direction, the trajectory of America has, God's given us what we've demanded as a nation and it's not good. Having said that, I do believe there will be an awakening that will bring in thousands upon thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands into the kingdom before the second coming. I believe that that's why we fast and pray every Tuesday. 
That's why we, we open up our church doors for four hours every Tuesday and we say, come and pray with us. Let's contend for our region. I just start close to home, our city, our county, our region. We pray for that almost every Tuesday night. And, and then listen, the more wicked America gets, the more the church will become purified because we will be persecuted. It might be light persecution. It may be stuff from them muzzling us and taking away our rights on YouTube or social media. We get, you know, we get shadow banned or whatever. That's not really, I mean, that's, that's irritating, but that's not, I'm telling you full blown persecution will come like, trust me, Christians and leaders, guys like me, we will go to jail. I'm not saying I'm going to jail. I might, I need to be prepared for that, but it'll come the point where you will either forfeit your rights or you will in some way back off of your commitment and calling as a Christian. They'll demand that it's happening all over the world right now. And America can't presume to have immunity. So why am I telling you all that? Because as it gets bleaker and darker, the last thing you need to do is quit gathering with your people. Your people is the church. Your people are Christians. I don't care what color you are. Your, your, your actual people are not your racial tribe. If you're white and you're saying white folks are my tribe, you're wrong. Lost white folks are not your tribe if you're white. Um, lost black folks are not your tribe if you're black. And you can go on to all the ethnicities. You know who your people are? People that are saved. People that are redeemed. People that are blood-bought. People that have bowed right next to you on their knees and confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Their skin may be different. Their generation may be different. One might be male. Another might be female. But those are your people. And so we need to prioritize gathering with one another as the end of the age approaches. Temple and oikos. Church and home. Sunday mornings and any other day of the week that you choose. But when the church gathers typically on Sunday mornings, I would say this. I'm just kind of a radical on this. Anytime your home church is gathering, do your best to be there. Antioch outposts people like Tuesday night prayer. Just come. Come anytime between four and eight. By the way, if you're not Antioch outpost and you live in Bethlehem, come join with us. Pray. Come on, we're contending for a revival. It's not glossy. It's not pretty. We're not trying to be professional or super cool. It's just a bunch of people. Like literally one out of every five adults in our church comes to our prayer meeting. That's a 20% turnout on a Tuesday. About one out of five comes regularly. Maybe one out of six. Um, Typically, you get about 2% of your church that's showing up for prayer. But our church is convinced if we're going to see God move in our region, it's going to come on the back of fasting and praying and asking God to do what God wants to do. And so whether it's Sunday morning, Wednesday night, you know, whatever time your church opens the door, be supportive of those gatherings and bring somebody from your four worlds. Remember your four worlds, bring somebody with you. Somebody in your biological family, somebody from your vocational world at work, somebody in your geographical world, your neighbors, and somebody from your volitional world where you choose to spend your time. Just come on, bring somebody with you. And guys, let's just go ahead and push back, like get recommitted to the local church. And if your local church has home groups, find one. And if they don't, talk to your leaders and see if they're willing for you to start one. And if you are a leader, listen. It's not about you controlling everything by making them come on Sunday mornings. You better repent of that. Leaders, it's biblical. 
And so if there's some people in your church that want to begin a home group or multiple home groups, sit down, talk to them, help them to learn what the priorities are. You oversee the process by which it's done. You can speak into it. But my goodness, if they're wanting to gather, break bread, fellowship, and have apostolic teaching from the word of God, talking about the Bible is apostolic doctrine, how could you say no to that unless you're a control freak? Woo! How about that? Um, listen, I want to turn you to visit transformingtruth.org. Tons of resources on our website there. I hope that you'll rate and review this podcast. I don't know how all that stuff works, but everybody I talk to that is technologically savvy and understands the world of broadcasting, podcasting, and all of that stuff, the more it is shared on social media, the more it's reviewed. If you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or you know Google Podcasts, whatever, rate and review it. Take 30 seconds. I don't ask you to sew a dime into this. This is my gift to you, but I do ask for your help. Let other people hear it, man. Not because I have a need to be heard. I have no idea promise you this. No idea how many people listen to this podcast. I just know that what God does through the dissemination of the word, word and spirit, what he does is a benefit to anybody that will listen and believe. So I want more people to listen and believe. And I hope that you'll help me with that. Um, If you are in the metro Atlanta area looking for a home church and you are feeling led that it's a time to uh, move on from where you currently are, Uh, look us up, AntiochOutpost.com, AntiochOutpost.com. And then come by and see me, man. Just come by on a Sunday morning. Come by at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. I teach a Bible study Wednesday nights, most Wednesday nights at 6.30. I'm in the the platform preaching, teaching. And then you can always join us on Tuesdays for prayer. Come add your voice to mine. Listen, you guys that are down in Gwinnett, y'all get, hey, my friends down at Gate City, they have a 4 to 6 p.m. prayer meeting every Tuesday, praying and fasting. You ought to go to that one. Go to Gate City in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Go to the 4 to 6 prayer meeting. And then when you're done there, drive 15 minutes up the road to Antioch Outpost on 316. Just take 316 up from Gate City and join us. From You'll get here by 630. You can pray with us for another hour and a half. We take communion around 8 o'clock, and it's just a great time. Love you guys. Thanks for letting me speak into your life, and we'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace, and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. You can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.